Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Welcome to this special edition of Out to Lunch Louisiana. I'm Peter Raschuti in New Orleans. I'm Christian Mader in Lafayette. And in Baton Rouge, I'm Stephanie Regal. Normally, we're the hosts of Out to Lunch in our respective cities, but during the course of the current public health crisis, we're joining forces to bring you a statewide look at what's happening in the world of business and finance. A month ago, back in the good old days, I was hosting Out to Lunch Acadiana in Lafayette at the French Press. Today, like Peter and Stephanie, I'm social distancing at home, and the French Press is doing curbside takeout. You can get their regular menu items, including a family dinner, delivered through Waiter or Grubhub or directly from the restaurant, 337-233-9449. In Baton Rouge, the restaurant that normally hosts out to lunch, Mansur's on the Boulevard, is open for pickup and delivery. You can order from them by calling 225-923-3366. In New Orleans, Commander's Palace is closed, but you can find out more about their plans to resume pickup and delivery at commanderspalace.com. As this pandemic unfolds, we're hearing about how it's affecting the global economy. For a lot of us, the global economy might feel far removed from our daily lives, but for all three of the guests on today's show, it's an integral part of their lives. As the state's second highest ranking elected official, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser is responsible for our connection to the rest of the world through the offices of the Louisiana Department of Culture, Recreation, and Tourism. In Acadiana, Reagan Burrell has an oil and gas engineering and manufacturing business called MAP Oil Tools. MAP does business with oil producers around the world and has more employees in China and Dubai than here in the U.S. We're going to talk to Lieutenant Governor Nungesser and Reagan Borrell in just a few minutes. But first, I'd like you to meet Ellie Schwing. Ellie has a foot in two coronavirus hotspots, New Orleans and Italy. Originally a New Orleanian, Ellie moved to Rome in 2014, and that's where she founded and has grown a successful fashion business, Bene handbags and scarves. Now, Bene manufactures high-end leather handbags and silk scarves that are Italian in style and quality, but retain a New Orleans sensibility. As a result, both Ellie's background and her continued design collaboration with New Orleans artists. Ellie, you got out of Italy on what was one of the last flights, just as massive community spread of the coronavirus was shutting down the country, and you made it to New Orleans in time to experience this becoming a coronavirus hotspot. We'll get to how your business is doing through all of this, but let me start with you personally. How do you feel having now navigated two waves of this pandemic in two countries? I mean, I feel like it's following me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a little overwhelming. You really don't have time to like sit around and think about it. Um, just trying to do as much as I can for everyone here, everyone there. Um, yeah, just trying to navigate this unknown territory, you know, with as much compassion and um, sympathy I can with everybody affected. Well, it's, uh, I know you make very, very high quality items, uh, mainly because your name is Bene, right? Which means good yes. in Italian. Okay, that's going to... Oh, this is great. I'm going to cry. This is great. And uh, But I have to ask you, you make high-end luxury goods. What happens to them 
during a recession. There would be kind of two camps. One is people can't afford that anymore, or the other might be the kind of people that bought those might be riding this out better than others. Which is it? Well, right now it's really kind of hard to say because um, I travel twice a year during um, fall and in spring, and I go to all of my stores and um, this spring, you know, I was supposed to go to 13 different locations and all of that essentially got canceled, um, you know, within 24 hours. And so I haven't really been able to understand what the season's going to be like as a whole. You know, luckily I have um, amazing customers who have helped out, you know, via e-commerce. My e-commerce website is um, very active and it still has continued to be. Um, and then my Instagram as well. So I still have people, you know, shopping there, but I'm not having my full season. Um, and to understand what that's going to really, how that's going to play out, it's, it's really too soon. Um, but it's going to be a good year, year and a half, um, you know, road for us with my team. Ellie, what are you hearing from people in your industry when you get the million of Zoom and webinar invitations every day from your wholesalers or your suppliers, your fellow retailers, your, what are they saying? What are they thinking, looking, you know, looking down the line? I mean, and have you gotten any, any feeling from them? Well, it just depends on like which avenue, you know, so many people are struggling right now. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, again, it's uncharted territory. Like we have no idea, but the fashion industry is really, really struggling obviously right now. And then, you know, for someone like me who really um, is involved with their studio and with their manufacturing team, they're essentially like extensions of my family. That's why I really birthed Benet is to inspire the tradition of their, you know, their luxury leather craftsmanship, because I'm so obsessed with like heritage and like new Orleans and Italy and like, you know, joining those forces. Um, so just, you know, to understand what they're going through, it's so, so hard to communicate with them. Um, they're not working right now. Um, you know, I just want them to take care of their families. I get WhatsApp's messages from them. You know, one of my head of productions barely uses the internet. So I got a really sweet Easter email from him, you know. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's so much easier when I'm there because these are old men and I go into the studios. We have six cappuccinos. We talk about our families. You know, it's so old school that communicating from this side is really difficult. Um, but I have been a little bit, but all my shops are closed. You know, they're struggling. A lot of brands really just have no idea like what the season's going to hold. Cause luckily for me, my, um, inventory is kind of seasonless cause it's a very, um, classic style. Um, so some of these larger brands that are pumping out 200 different ready to wear styles, you know, four times a year, they're the ones that are really, you know, that they're, I think are going to be affected, but I'm not in that situation right now. Ellie, this is, Christian, I'm curious, is, is, is the Italian government taking similar steps to what they're doing in the U.S. as far as, you know, spending money to sort of prop up businesses? And, and, and is it something that's focused perhaps on the fashion industry? It's got to be very, very important to Italy. Not that I'm aware of. Um, but again, you know, I'm working full time here trying to get gowns and masks to the hospitals. I've completely pivoted um, and understanding what's going on there. You know, I have you know, my apartment and my boyfriend and, you know, my life there as well. So, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that they're all okay. I haven't really tapped into what the government can do for me. Um, 
you know, maybe I will later, but, you know, I just hope that, you know, for me, you know, I'm not so concerned. I'm really concerned about the guys who work for me. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to reap some of the benefits if there are any. New Orleanian Ellie Schwing is the founder and owner of Benet Handbags and Scarves in Rome, Italy. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us on Out to Lunch, Louisiana. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. You're listening to a special edition of Out to Lunch, Louisiana with Peter Raschuti in New Orleans, Stephanie Regal in Baton Rouge, and I'm Christian Mater in Lafayette. You know, normally when we invite guests to join us in Out to Lunch, we only invite them to come back on the show a second time if something has materially changed in their business. Well, it's hard to find someone whose business has not materially changed over the past month or so. And that certainly opens up our repeat guest list. But I particularly wanted to invite Reagan Burrell to come back and join us today. The last time we spoke, which was at the end of 2019, Reagan told us about her company, Map Oil Tools, which manufactures specialized drilling equipment for oil and gas production. And the fascinating aspect of Reagan's company is that her clients are oil producers from around the world. And her employees, who manufacture the equipment map, designs, and sells are in the United States, China, and Dubai. So, Reagan, although I'm sure every aspect of your business has been affected, um, I'd like to start in China. Um, Where in China are your employees, and can you take us back to how the outbreak of COVID-19 there first impacted you? Sure. Um, Actually, our manufacturing facility is located in Jingzhou City, uh, which is um, near Wuhan. So we were really heavily affected right away uh, by the COVID-19 outbreak. It involved shutting down our facility. Uh, we had, it was during the spring festival. And so we had several employees that were um, uh, in other cities visiting family and they were stranded there and were not able to return home. Uh, so uh, it was essentially uh, an unforeseen complete shutdown of our manufacturing facility uh, for what lasted, you know, it lasted about uh, eight weeks. Uh, so we, there was no inventory coming in, uh, shipments were stalled at the port, uh, we were able to maintain really good communication. Um, I have to hand it to our, uh, our sysadmin, Nathan Landry, he, he had prepared us for this when we didn't know we were going to need to be prepared for it. So um, our whole team has been able to stay very well connected during all of this. Mm. So that's been a relief, um, but we had a supply chain problem, you know, a very serious supply chain problem, one like we'd never encountered before. Uh, what we did, uh, of course, making sure that the team in China uh, was uh, had the resources that they need, making sure that everyone was able to stay in. Um, after about four weeks, we started to hear good things from the team there. They were spending more time with their families. They were reading more books. They were uh, connecting with customers a little bit more. Um, But uh, really they just, uh, they started to enjoy the birds coming back and and things like that. You know, it was uh, the the reduction in pollution. Um, I have to say, you know, I, I started to hear a lot more positivity out of that team after about four weeks of shutdown. It was hard for us uh, financially to have uh, that disruption in our supply chain, 
but um, you know, I'm starting to hear similar things now from people that are in quarantine. You guys, so so if you're close to Wuhan, does that does does that mean that you know Wuhan is, is actually sort of coming back online, as I understand it? I mean, like the the, the major lockdowns have been lifted. So it is is that something that you're sort of your manufacturing operation there is starting to experience? And what does that sort of thaw feel like? I mean, is it something that you know? It, it's actually starting to take effect and we're starting to see business or, or is it really still a crawl back to normalcy? No, not really. Um, we, once we were able to get everyone back, you know, once the travel ban within China was lifted, um, the team was able to come back. Um, we've, you know, we had to uh, apply for approval to get our operations up and running again. We had to put in a lot of uh, safety protocols um, that we didn't have before, of course, uh, masks and taking temperatures and things of that nature. Um, so, uh, it's actually been kind of well-timed the reopening of China because things were just starting to get locked down here. Um, so we've been able to pick up operations in China while we're shut down here in the U S uh, so when our China operations shut down, we worked from existing inventory here in the U.S. or in Dubai. Uh, we uh, sourced uh, uh, components locally in both places so we could keep, uh, keep supplying our customers with the tools that we had committed to. Uh, we've, uh, uh, we've been able to kind of weather the storm uh, by reopening our China facility in that we've been able to get lots of shipments out that were delayed or that were almost ready to go. Uh, so it's, it's been kind of, it's been a big help for us to see the uh, reopen. And they were able to get back online really quickly. Reagan, the question I want to ask you though, the, you know, the other piece of, of your story, obviously in the, in the oil industry, is, is the plummeting price of oil and this oil price war with Saudi Arabia and Russia at, at a time when global demand is so low. I mean, and you're in the middle of the oil patch there in Lafayette. From what I hear, it's really, really bleak. Yes, it it is rather bleak. Um, I will say that the uh, you know in the the recovery from the last downturn, you know, which we were about three years into that, we spent that entire time uh, paying off debts that were incurred during the downturn and uh, saving uh, for the next one. So uh, I'm really pleased with our team that facilitated all of that. Our president, Mustafa Shaheen, and our uh, accounting manager, um, Amir Kamal, they, they worked together to make sure that we were uh, getting rid of as much debt as possible and putting as much into our savings accounts as possible. So that's helped us a lot. Um, we had also transitioned from uh, a heavy inventory presence in the United States to supplying more on an uh, on an as needed base as needed basis or uh, order by order. Uh, so our our inventory burden had been drastically reduced as well. Um, so I think that a lot of the things that we've done, a lot of the things that the team has done together uh, in the past two years, has prepared us pretty well for this environment, as bad as it is, um, I think we're going to be okay. 
Hi, Reagan. This is Peter. I wanted to ask you, they, they finally, OPEC plus or OPEC plus plus is uh, finally had an agreement to take like 10 million barrels off the market. Is, is that enough? It doesn't seem to have helped though, no, right? No, moved oil up a dollar <laughs> or something. It's, uh, what do you think the price has to get to, to get people back to work? Oh, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. That's okay. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Just like we did with the last one, you know, um, something will come along that will drastically reduce the production of oil and gas. You know, we thought we needed sixty dollar oil, and then we got we got by on thirty five dollar oil for a really long time. So. Um, I don't know. The, this is this is unprecedented. I <laughs> we've never seen anything like this before. Plus, I, I wish I had an answer. Well, you've been through some cycles, Reagan. You grew up in an oil family, so uh, no wonder you're so calm. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> we're crazy. It helps to be a little crazy in this industry as well. Reagan Burrell is the CEO of Map Oil Tools. Reagan, thank you so much for joining us on Out to Lunch, Louisiana. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You're listening to a special edition of Out to Lunch Louisiana with Christian Mater in Lafayette, Peter Raschuti in New Orleans, and I'm Stephanie Regal in Baton Rouge. Usually when people travel, they go somewhere because they're attracted by something specific, Disney World, the beach, or the Eiffel Tower. But with the exception of the French Quarter in New Orleans, there is no obvious tourist attraction in Louisiana. And yet in 2019, an estimated 51 million tourists came to our state and spent nearly $20 billion. That's billion with a B. And the reason people come here is to experience what for us is everyday life, our food, our music, our outdoors, our Southern hospitality. And so it's fitting that one of our most senior elected state representatives, no less than the Lieutenant Governor, is responsible for all of these elements of our life, grouped together under the title of the Louisiana Department of Culture, Recreation, and Tourism. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, I would bet that when you were president of beleaguered Plaquemine Parish in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, you probably thought you were going through the biggest economic battle of your life. Now you're in the position of leading the state in what is going to be an even more daunting recovery of unprecedented and monumental importance. Are you drawing up a plan to roll out when when all of this is over and how and when we can get back to normal? Are you working with others on that at the moment? And, and are you concerned that we don't really know what normal will look like when we get to the other side? Absolutely. All of those things, um, you know, we saw our largest increase ever in tourism, 9% from 17 to 18. When you talked about those 51.3 million visitors, uh, so we were on a roll. And the good thing was, over the last four years, we weren't just seeing people book a trip to New Orleans. They were booking trips to Lafayette, uh, to Lake Charles, to North Louisiana. And we were hosting sporting events like Olympic trials for the women's volleyball in Shreveport. So we were promoting things uh, in every corner of the state, and we saw double digit growth in many of those areas. You know, we had 45 uh, new uh, hotels under construction around the state. So things were really booming. And now to take a, a, a plan, uh, and it's not just Louisiana. You know, after Katrina, everybody wanted to help us come back. The southern states that were impacted. Every state 
is feeling the same impact we're feeling. Uh, so we're going to be up against a, a tremendous uh, challenge to make sure uh, we put our best foot forward. Have y'all put pen to paper yet to look at, at, at what kind of losses we're talking about in the tourism and, and visitor sector alone with between the hotels, the restaurants, the canceled conventions, billions of dollars. Yeah. And I'll tell you some, you know, we, we were putting some pencils on local figures to give you an idea of the impact. The U.S. travel economy has lost $60.8 billion in the last five weeks. Wow. Uh, $60.8 billion. Uh, more than $36 million of that, 60% of those losses has been in the last two weeks. Um, so it's going to be a tremendous uh, plan to come back. One thing we are, we're tracking every week, what are people thinking? And 52, excuse me, 55.2% of travelers say they will take a staycation, something that we're a little ahead of the curve because for the last two years, we have promoted Louisianans to see a part of Louisiana you haven't seen before and share it with your friends and family. And that has really helped us drive a lot of tourists all over Louisiana. So we'll be coming out the gate as soon as it's safe to travel again uh, with a plan to get Louisiana to staycation. And then the majority of the people say they're, they're not going to get on a plane, but they will take a drive, a weekend trip. So we will then market in a drive market for Louisiana first out the gate. Well, Lieutenant Governor, this is Peter. I know you're down in uh, beautiful Plaquemines Parish, uh, which is a great place. And it, it brought me up to a, a question I wanted to ask is when we do come out of this, do you think the rollout should be on a uh, town by town basis? I just mentioned that because uh, would it be rural first and then cities? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I was just put on the governor's team with a lot of business leaders and healthcare leaders. Um, yesterday, I met with the governor, and um, and this team is going to put a plan together. I am also president of the Lieutenant Governor Association. Once a week, I have a conference call with other lieutenant governors to discuss what their thoughts and plans are. Um, and 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 we haven't had our first meeting, which I'm sure will be later this week, to discuss those plans. First and foremost, we got to make sure Louisianans are protected and safe. We don't want to go back to where this tremendous spike was. It seems like we're leveling off. But but I suspect it'll be some kind of rollout where it'll be maybe a half of what your restaurant seats uh, using the protective measures. And then, um, and then if things stay on a decline, then we open up everything full blown. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. We haven't discussed it, but I imagine there'll be some kind of uh, soft opening like that. It's very difficult to open up one city or one town in Louisiana and not ask people to travel to other areas. So just like a lot of the states are getting together and going to make a regional decision, um, we'll embrace some of our other states around us as well to make sure we're coordinating on the same message. Lieutenant Governor, this is Christian over in Lafayette. So so I would suspect as we begin to feel like the curve is flattening or life could return to normal, there's going to be a, an immense amount of pressure on y'all to, to, to really open up the taps and allow life to go back to normal, especially for business owners, right, who, who are really hurt. And I get emails about this all the time. And 
you know, early on, I think there was kind of the opposite, like the sense of, well, let's not move too fast, right, to, to lock everything down. So, I mean, how do, how do you guys, how do you feel about the, the level of caution we're going to have to move into this next period? I mean, people are really going to want to go back to work fast. Yeah, and we're going to have to really make sure we listen to those health experts um, because we don't want to have, for lack of a better word, a relapse. But, um, but we're going to have to come out the gate when, when it is safe you know, we, we got the legislature to remove, there's a 10% cap on in-state spending, um, and we got them to remove that cap because all of the convention and visit bureaus, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Lake Charles, New Orleans, they've lost their income, that hotel motel tax. So they have no money. So we're going to have to use the state money. And I've reached out to the arts community, the musicians, uh, any events that will be scheduled or rescheduled when we come out the gate, we're going to put dollars behind those to make sure where it may normally be a, a small event in the city where we get Louisianans all over the state to come and support, take a weekend staycation so we can really come out the gate and see some strong numbers, whether it's uh, small events or, or conferences, uh, and just get people to go spend a weekend in the city uh, in Louisiana, they haven't seen before. And Lieutenant Governor, all of that makes makes good sense. And you can even envision, you know, a scenario where, where that's very plausible uh, just a couple of months down the line. But, I mean, do you realistically see where people are going to go to Jazz Fest or French Quarter Fest or even pack into Tiger Stadium or the Mercedes-Benz Superdome for football season in just four or five months from now? Well, I think we would have to really, one, see this thing drastically uh, reduce and head south, uh, which I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic it will, um, for that to happen. Um, and then maybe through the health officials, there may be some protective measures of people going to large events. Um, but you're right. It's very and, – and all the data says it's one thing to have an event, it's another thing for people to feel safe to go to it. So without some kind of immediate test or vaccine, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, in our surveys and the national tourism folks are surveying every week, what are people thinking? And, you know, 40, it's down 49% of people that will get on an airplane. Um, they also said they will avoid large conventions and crowds. So if people aren't willing to go out and go, there's no sense in having an event. So every week, these numbers are changing drastically, and we're going to have to have our game plan ready um, to what the public is feeling, how comfortable they are feeling with going to these events. Because there's one thing worse than having a nice event and, and is having nobody show up for it as well. Uh, so we want to make sure the public feels safe going to whatever size events we are going to promote. But I think the staycation um, it, right out the bat is going to help local restaurants, bed and breakfasts, um, all the tourist attractions and shops in all those cities all over Louisiana um, at least get back making some money. I was going to ask you, Lieutenant Governor, you mentioned testing and such. I mean, when you all are talking and you're, and you're planning things out and looking at some of this data and recommendations coming from health officials, um, I mean, is 
are people talking about a scenario where you would actually have to get tested or your temperature taken or a blood test before you could be admitted into an arena or a dome for a concert or an event? Yeah, all of those things are being discussed. Um, you know, I don't think we're leaving anything off the table. You know, we got to look at cost, safety, um, but what's really practical of what we could do. But I think in an effort to, um, to bring the, the tourism and, and that industry back, um, we've got to look at every scenario and what works and, 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 like I said before, what makes people feel comfortable. And, you know, uh, uh, listen to your, your, your guest earlier, uh, I was in the oil and gas industry before I was in politics, and that has been a double hit for Louisiana because of South Louisiana, of those people that uh, have less uh, uh, people coming in town to do business in the oil industry. Um, and, and the oil and gas revenues, what that means to the state budget and the $1.9 billion in taxes that tourists left here last year. That's over $1,000 per family that is pretty much gone uh, in the tax coffer of the state government. So um, we're going to have to, it's going to be a long haul to work to get those numbers back where they need to be. Lieutenant Governor, you had an amazing innovation before you ever got into politics when you're in the oil field of turning um, used uh, container bins into modular housing offshore. So you're an innovator. Have you seen anything that really stood out to you in this crisis that, um, that you were kind of amazed at? I was really taken back to walk into the Nuance Convention Center and see the incredible job, how quickly they set up those modular rooms, um, organized with check-in counters and just an incredible operation set up in a matter of days to um with the the thought that we would have a thousand people in there by now and how quickly they were able to put that professionally together individual hospital rooms uh right there in the new Orleans convention center and 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 I, every day i'm amazed at the uh passion and love the health uh providers the doctors and, and, and nurses and and everybody in this industry. You know, Louisiana, you talked earlier about what's the best thing about Louisiana. It's our people. We treat strangers like their family, and that's why they keep coming back as tourists. But the people in Louisiana, the first responders, the, the doctors and nurses, um, you see it every day going beyond the call of duty to take care of Louisianans. So if anybody can come back from this, um, Louisiana, we've been through it. Katrina, Rita, the oil spill, the floods of 2016. Um, we'll come back stronger than ever. Louisiana will be back. Crazy to think all that's been within the past 15 years too, right? Well, Billy Nungesser, Unbelievable. Billy Nungesser is Lieutenant Governor of the state of Louisiana. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for joining us today on Out to Lunch, Louisiana. Thank you all. Y'all have a blessed day. And thank you for joining us for this special edition of Out to Lunch Louisiana. We edited these conversations to fit into this time slot uh, here on your NPR radio station. You can hear longer versions of these conversations wherever you normally get your Out to Lunch podcast. If you're not an Out to Lunch podcast subscriber, search for Out to Lunch, Out to Lunch Baton Rouge, Out to Lunch Acadiana on your podcast app. 
The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Photos from the show on our website and social media are taken by Jill LaFleur. I'm Peter Raschuti in New Orleans. I'm Stephanie Regal in Baton Rouge. And I'm Christian Mader in Lafayette. We'll see you back here next week for more Out to Lunch Louisiana. Until then, if you're in an essential industry and still going to work, thank you and remember to take care of yourself. If you're not going to work, please stay home and stay safe. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.